Everywhere we go, we are bombarded with comment cards or text surveys. People are consumed with customer service. You can't walk into a restaurant, go to a place of business without being asked afterwards your satisfaction level. I came across some responses, some comment cards that were handed out to the staff at Brigadier Wilderness Area in Pinedale, Wyoming. These are some of the comment cards visitors handed in to these guys. Listen. Trails need to be wider so people can walk holding hands. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Please spray the wilderness to rid the area of bugs and spiders. Chairlifts need to be installed in some places so that we can get to the wonderful views without having to walk uphill. Hmm. A small deer came into my campsite and stole my food. I need to be reimbursed. Please call, and they left their number. And here's my favorite. There are too many rocks along the mountain trail. <laughs> true, true co comment cards handed into them. But our culture has been trained to be professional consumers. Capitalism encourages the customer to be satisfied or to look somewhere else more than ever before. So if my steak isn't done right, I'll send it back. If I don't like the deal I'm getting, I'll demand to talk to the manager. Perhaps subconsciously, we have brought that consumer mentality into the church. And we find ourselves asking questions like, are my needs being met? Am I being fed? Are my preferences being catered to? Am I being noticed? And I think with this consumer mentality that most American, Americans have, when we think of the church, we think of what's in it for me. What's in it for me? And we define church membership by how it benefits us. And it's understandable because every other thing we're involved in, we look to how it benefits us. If you join the gym up the street or the gym across town, you want to know which one benefits you more. Giant Eagle has a card. What's it called? No. Advantage. Anybody got an advantage card? If you're not, you're not saving on gas, right? Because that's how it benefits us. And so we are bombarded with this, and it makes sense then that it comes into the church. But the church, it's much different. The church is an unusual organization in the fact that it doesn't exist primarily for the satisfaction of its members. Wow. The church doesn't exist to satisfy me. Giant Eagle tries to satisfy me, but the church doesn't exist to satisfy me. So there's a mind shift, a heart shift, heart shift in this. Jesus himself is our example in Matthew 20, verse 28. He says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve. If you work in the business world, no doubt you've heard of the Pareto principle, and it's not changed for years. 
basically saying 20% of the people do 80% of the workload. That's not just true in companies, organizations, but it's also true within the church. And if we're not careful, we can become so comfortable coming, sitting, taking everything in that we do that the rest of our lives. In our minds, I believe we must move from seeing the church as a noun to seeing the church as a verb. And I've said this before and I've said it many times over the years. Church is a verb. Church has a heartbeat. Church is alive. Peter talked about this in 1 Peter 4.10. He said, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. There are a number of different excuses we tend to come up for, with for not serving. One common excuse is the excuse of inadequacy, saying, I, I really got nothing to offer. I want to serve. I want to make a difference, but I've got nothing to give when it comes to that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in, catch this, in all men. Now to teach one manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Paul says there are all kinds of different gifts, there's all kinds of different service, and it's not just given to one, it's given to everybody. Everybody has something to offer, everyone has something to give. And he loves for us, Satan does though, just to sit on the sidelines and not use those. But Paul's saying, bring them in and use them for the good of the church. Well, where does it come from? this excuse of inadequacy. I think for many of us, it's what Greg alluded to earlier. It comes from a sense that I'm not worthy. I'm a failure. I have shortness in this area, in this area, in this area. I don't measure up to the point that I can serve consistently. And I'm sure that's what happened with the church of Corinth that Paul was writing this to. They came from such a pagan background in chapter 6, Paul says, before you were Christians, get this, many of you were idolaters, prostitutes, homosexual offenders, idolaters, thieves, drunkards, and liars. And I'm sure they felt like, man, I don't measure up to this. I'm not good enough for this. I'm inadequate for this. Maybe some of those words tend to describe you, but I believe if Paul was writing this today, the list would be longer of inadequacies that people feel in their hearts that they can't be used from God by God. Saying, I don't have anything to offer. God, you can't use me, not after what I've done. If you've committed adultery, think about it. God can still use you. He used King David. Maybe you're guilty of deceiving or lying. God can still use you. He used Abraham and Isaac. Maybe you've got a temper, a lack of self-control. God can still use you. He used two guys named James and John. Maybe you've been inconsistent in your Christian life. 
you started out strong, but lately you've kind of been fading. Well, God used a guy named John Mark. Even Paul, even Paul, before he came, became a Christian, his hobby was murdering Christians. And look how God used him. So Paul says, maybe that was your past, but that's not who you are now. He challenges us to look to who we are. 1 Corinthians 6, he says, even though you've done these things, even though this is a part of who you were, when you repent of your sins, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you are justified, you are sanctified, your sins are washed away, and your life is forever changed. God can use anybody that's willing to step out and say, God, use me, use me. Second excuse is the excuse of indecision. Indecision. Where we say, you know what, I, I just, I like to serve, but I just don't know where. I don't know where. Well, that'll last for a while, but not over the long haul. You see, Satan would love to get you to kind of be a sponge and soak everything in and absorb everything. But the problem is a sponge that absorbs and absorbs and absorbs and never releases what it soaks up in time will become brittle and it will rot. The same thing happens with us. Richard Foster wrote, there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When I choose to serve, I retain control about who I serve and when I serve. But when I choose to be a servant, I have given up all rights and all control. I want you to get the difference here. What he's saying is, if I choose to serve, like, yeah, I might sign up for the candlelight walk. We're going to talk about a little bit to pass out glow sticks to the community. That's a good thing. That's awesome. But when I choose to be a servant, that means whatever pops up in front of me, I do it. I do it. If there's a need, if there's someone who needs encouraged, I step in and I do it. It's a 24-7 thing when it comes to being a servant. It's not just when an opportunity or a project comes up, we sign up for it. It's a lifestyle. It's a gift. It's a calling. Being a servant is a process. It's not a task. It's not a to-do list. It's who we are. Another common excuse is the excuse of indifference. And this may be the most common, but still it's not a noble excuse. We simply say, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. And I think more so over the last couple years, more so than ever, this one has raised its head. We've sent out texts and emails to people asking, you know, why aren't you in worship? Where have you been? 80% of those. Well, I got to be honest, I just haven't felt like it. I've gotten comfortable sitting on my couch. It's an excuse we all use. We might not say it. We might not verbalize it. 
but we don't think, I believe, getting involved in serving will make us happy. We think being served makes us happy. And again, that's our culture. Going to the beach, going to the spa, having somebody serve us. Wow, that's happiness, we think. Not getting on our knees and serving the Lord. This morning when I showed up here, I was blown away. I pulled in at 725 and everything off the trailer was already unloaded and brought upstairs. Now that's unusual because we don't supposed to be here till 730. But it all was done. It was all moved. And Tim met me in the hallway downstairs. And this is what he said to me. He said, it's so great to see you. Yesterday was a nasty day for me. And I needed to be here. Question. Did serving this morning make him happy? How many think yes? Yeah. You see, when we put others or we put the cause of Christ before ourselves, all of a sudden the happiness rises, but we really don't give in to that because our culture says the opposite. Paul in verse 12 gives us a picture, a powerful picture of what serving should be. Verse 12, he says, and you've heard this before, he says, the body is a unit. The human body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and although the parts are many, they form one body. Then he says, so it is with Christ. So it is within the church. Paul says that each part of the church, each part of it makes up the body. A lot of different parts, but it takes them all. Beginning in verse 17 and following, he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of what be? Smell. But in fact, God has arranged all the parts of the body Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And it's not that one part is more important than another part. Each part functioning allows our body to do what our body needs to do. So what happens when one part of our body isn't functioning right? Anybody have a part of their body right now that's giving them trouble? <laughs> yeah, right? We all do. We all do. I told you probably a year or so ago that I wrestled when I was in high school. Because of wrestling, I injured my knee. My knee has been cut open three times, this knee. It's been cut open three times, and I've even had a total knee replacement done on this thing. This little knee affects my whole body. Because of my knee, now my hip hurts, right? Because of my knee. I, I, can't, I know when it's gonna be cold. I know every time I go th to an, through an airport security system or a concert security system now, I go, uh, right? It's gonna take us a half an hour longer because I've got a messed up knee. It's got all these parts in it, and it sets everybody going crazy with thinking I've got an armed weapon. One part of our body can affect our entire system. So it is with the church. One part 
that doesn't do its job or take part can affect the whole outreach of the church. So how do we overcome this feeling of indifference? Because it's the biggest one. You know, I just don't want to. I don't feel like it. Couple things. Number one is huge. We need to operate in the spirit. Operate in the spirit. More than 10 times in this chapter, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. I think Paul did that intentionally. Because when we are walking in the spirit, service comes naturally. When we are right with God and our hearts are walking in the Holy Spirit, service automatically happens. Erwin McManus wrote this. Perhaps the highest motivation is that essentially when you serve someone else, in reality you are serving who? Jesus. Jesus himself. There is nothing, something mystical about servanthood because God is a servant. When you serve others, we, are more full, we more fully reflect the image of God and our hearts begin to resonate with the heart of God. We may never be more like God than we're serving when serving from a purely selfless motivation. Jesus says this in Matthew 25, 40. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You did for me. Second way to overcome indifference is to start now. Start right away. Most of us plan on serving someday. <laughs> but we don't feel like it now. At some point, we'll say we'll serve. When the kids are grown up, when the kids are out of the house, when the business slows down, when my life slows down, when da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's always going to happen another day. The biggest way to overcome indifference is to walk by the Spirit and decide you're going to do it today. You're going to serve today. That's a test of conviction. Because I think all of us in this room would leave here today saying, yes, serving is important. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about serving now. There's a difference. Not believing it's important, but believing it needs to be done through me now. Rick Warren said it like this. God gave me a gift, not for me, but for you. God gave you a gift, not for you, but for me. And if I don't use the gifts God's entrusted to me, then I'm robbing you. And if you don't use the gifts that God has blessed you with, then you're cheating me. Final excuse, excuse of insignificance. Well, I'm not really needed. <laughs> They don't need me. They got people to do that. When we say I'm not really needed, oftentimes it's a weak effort for a person to show humility. For others, it really is a sign of an inferiority, inferiority complex. Our problem is we are imperfect human beings, and we fluctuate between those two extremes. But Jesus died for every single one of us. Every single one of us here are a person of value and significance and are needed. We're needed. 
Look back at 1 Corinthians 12, 21. He repeats it. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that, are, that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that's its parts should have equal concern for each other. Paul uses this analogy of the body again in Christ's church. He says all the parts of the body, even the parts that are less visible, are equally important. Within this church, within the church, there are so many people that do behind the scenes work that never get credit that actually hold the church up at times. I asked for uh, our guys to give me a picture of this and you would think this, ki- this guy, this man could have given me the picture I asked for. But I asked for a picture of Dave Boone to go up on this screen and I asked his son Josh for the picture, and it didn't come through. But this is one of the the parts I'm talking about. Dave Boone, since we launched Northside Medina, I can't tell you, he's missed a handful of Sundays, if that. And he's been the first one here every single Sunday. Nobody knows that. God knows it. But he will be the first one here Sunday in and Sunday out, unlocking the trailer, pulling the trailer down, pushing the carts, running the wires. It's an indispensable part. I want us to give him a hand because it's been amazing. And he hates that. He hates that. That's probably why Josh didn't give me the picture because he knew he would hate it even more. But it takes that. Every single part pulling its own wait to make it happen. Did you hear about the church who had a number of church members who had quite unusual names? Four of them were really quite unusual. Listen to this. Their names, everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Some of you have heard this. One day there was an important job that was going to be done in the church. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Now, anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. And when nobody did it, everybody got mad because it was anybody's job. Everybody thought that someday somebody would do it, but nobody did it. So consequently, everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Isn't that the way it happens? Right? And I want to close by giving you some opportunities to serve. I don't want you to be indecisive. I want you to start now. I don't want you to feel like you're inadequate because every single one of us in here can take part. There is no really good excuse, all right? We've gone through the excuses. None of them apply if the Holy Spirit is flowing in us and through us. So here's two biggies. November 20th, that's next Saturday, 
we will meet here in the administration building parking lot back here. And we're going to pass out 3,000 glow sticks to the, on the square during the candlelight parade. Last year, we passed out 2,000 in about 20 minutes. In about 20 minutes. You think 3,000 is a lot. It won't take, if we've got enough people, it won't take any longer than 20 minutes. And then we just bring the buckets back to my truck and we disperse. You can enjoy the parade, whatever you want to do. But we'll meet back here and you can sign up right there, uh, northsideweb.org slash candlelight. If you can't remember that, go on the church's website and at the bottom there's a place you can click to sign up to get involved. We'll meet, I give it time, we'll meet back here at 5 o'clock. Meet back here at 5 o'clock. Uh, I'll give you all the glow sticks and we'll spread out and it will happen like this. The kids love them. And by the way, this year, I was going to get to this, but I'm going to share it now. We will be able to put our church address on the glow sticks. All right? So that's a biggie. That's a biggie. November 26th. I know it's a national holiday with the Michigan-Ohio State game. That is a national holiday. I don't ever miss the Michigan-Ohio State game, and I won't miss it this time. On November 26th, we're going to have a Northside Medina Demolition Day where we will meet at our uh, new facility, 3721 Pearl Road. Let's put a picture, and you can sign up for this northsideweb.org slash demo day, all right? We'll go on the website, you can find that. We will meet there at 9 a.m. on that day. Uh, as far as the ball game, we plan on putting yellow M's on some of the uh, office areas we need to whack. <laughs> Give us some incentive. I hope to have it on a TV there, the ball game. If not, I guarantee it, we will hear it by speaker. Um, but it shouldn't take us that long if we've got enough people. I really think we can knock it out, so to speak, that day. We've got to clear out uh, cubicles. One uh, wall, one room has to come out. And some things in the front of it need to come out that day. The good news, one big praise, is Friday. We got the news that uh, Monday or Tuesday, we can pick up our building permit, and we, it is, we're in. We're in. So, now comes the work. Now comes the work. And one of our ladies this morning, when she came, she says, you know, I, I can't really swing a sledgehammer. I'm not going to be able to do that. But if there's something else, there are painting days coming up. I'm not, I'm not I'll tell you, I'm an open book. We're going to save $13,000 by doing our own painting. That's huge. Um, but that means we're going to have to swing a paintbrush or run a roller. Uh, and that will come in a little while uh, when construction gets done more. Last week I mentioned to you the special Thanksgiving offering that we have annually at Northside. This year... Northside Medina's Thanksgiving offering, which will be next Sunday morning, or you can do it online. Uh, for the Northside Medina, if you're going to give online, you go on there and click on the Medina tab, uh, and it will be directed towards Northside 
Medina's finances. But that offering is, is going to be designated to pay for the chairs that are going to be in our worship area. The challenge, buy a chair for yourself, buy a chair for everybody in your family, but then go out on faith and buy chairs for whoever you think might come. Whoever you think might come. And hopefully we'll raise the money by God's will and by God's spirit to get those chairs in there. We hope to be in in February. That's the target date. If we get in before, we'll, we'll let you know, but I'll keep you updated as it goes along. There are gonna be plenty, plenty of opportunities in the coming months to have a heartbeat of service here at Northside Medina. Uh, it's just warming up as to what we'll be able to do. And having that facility seven days a week opens us up to a lot of service opportunities within Medina. One of the biggest, one of my biggest passions has always been Homeroom Hope, and we will regenerize that, bring it back, but bring it back here in Medina instead of Wadsworth. Uh, we'll pull that off. Um, that'll be one of the first ones, but there'll be others we'll be able to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let me close with this. Paul says in verse 3 of this same chapter, he says, we know we have the Spirit because we say Jesus is Lord. We know we have the Spirit because we say Jesus is Lord. And so you can't say Jesus is Lord if you don't invite the Spirit into your life. One of the best things that happened to me yesterday morning was I was doing a wedding counseling session. And the young man, when I asked the question, what is it that you would like to do better in the marriage? Part of his answer was this, I wanna grow closer to God. I wanna grow closer to God. One of the biggest ways to grow closer to God is to verbalize, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Say it with me. Jesus, you are Lord. Father, I pray for everyone here today, including myself, God, when the excuses come and when I don't have the heartbeat that I need to have to serve you and serve others, God, please allow me to walk by your spirit and not my own. God, I pray that there's anyone here this morning, God, that your spirit is moving them, God, to say Jesus is Lord, maybe for the very first time, God, that you would move in them. God, let them know we'd love to talk to them about how to make that happen. We love you and we praise you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.